Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, joined by my co-host, Jordan Climac. Recording this on a Tuesday night, Jordan was unable to join us on the post-game show after Browns Vikings. So, Jordan, let's just jump into it. Let's start there. What were your thoughts about the Browns 14 to 7 victory over the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday what do you think Henry what do you think like just knowing me from doing this podcast do you what do you think my outlook would be on this game somewhat optimistic given that yeah yeah yeah. oh you're a glass (laughs) half full guy (laughs) so again I I just kind of go back to the a win is a win is a win and it is, especially against a team, a good team like the Vikings on the road in a hostile environment. You know, I talked with people like Jake Trotters of the world, Tony Grossies of the world who were at the game. And they said that was basically the best road atmosphere they had seen in, in you know, almost two years at this point. Obviously, they weren't traveling last year and they weren't fans. But apparently from everything I heard, it was, it was pretty crazy. It was a very Browns-like atmosphere at that Vikings game. Look, the fact of the matter, if we're breaking down the game, I think the defense arguably had a better day than they did in Chicago, which is saying a lot because they did it to a team that's a lot more talented. And when you were down bodies like Anthony Walker and Greg Newsom for guys to step up, um, I just think that at this point, if you have still have questions about the Browns defense, um, should hit me up on Twitter at J underscore climax 20. Um, I'll give you my phone number. <laughs> I would like to pick your brain and, and, and see exactly why you still have questions. Um, because I mean, they're getting the job done on, on pretty much all aspects of that defense. Um, you flip it over to the offense, Henry, obviously that's where the question comes. And I think the question comes solely from Baker Mayfield. Um, to me, that was the worst game he had played since last year. I don't remember if it was week four or five against Pittsburgh last year. In Pittsburgh. <laughs> I, that, that's exactly what I said on the podcast yeah. on that. It was the worst game yeah, since man. the first Steelers game. It I, yeah, it was, you know, that was the game going in it where everyone's kind of like, are the Browns for real? Well, we're going to find out. And then, of course, they got their ass kicked in that game and everyone thought that they weren't. But that was the worst game Baker had played since then, Henry. I, I, I'm trying to figure out and, and I'll get, you know, get your take on this as well, but to me, it, it could come down to three things, and, and those three things being the shoulder, the injured shoulder, the return of Odell, or was it just a bad game? Um, I, I think it's probably a combination of, of the three of those things. I lean more towards it was just a bad game, and I think, you know, for whatever reason, the Browns get good, and we expect perfection from, like, every position every week, and that's just not, you know, a realistic outlook on things. I think it was more of a bad game, Henry, but the more I look – into it, the more I think about it, the more I break down the film, the more I talk to people, is like I, I just can't get over this Odell thing. And I know I know I was that guy in the offseason to be like, yo, like, can we chill? He doesn't make this team worse. He's a great player. You add him to this. But Henry, it's just for whatever reason, when he's on the field, Baker isn't comfortable. And I know it's a small sample size this year, but you can go back to last year and the year before. It's just like I I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know why Baker is struggling, but it was an ugly ass game from him on Sunday. And I was shocked by that, Henry, Um, given the way he played in Kansas City, the accuracy just all of a sudden disappeared. And you can really go back to that. So it was really weird, right? The shoulder injury happened against the Texans. I was right there. It happened in front of me at the game. He went 10 for 10 the rest of the game after that injury. And then the next week he was, he had some accuracy issues against the Bears, followed it up with some just 
you know, just he was all over the place on Sunday. So I don't know what it is. Can you look to the shoulder and say that that's the issue? Because what I just laid out for you, he, he was 10 of 10 after the shoulder injury against Houston. I know that's Houston, but like, yeah, I don't know what it is, man. I'm, I'm happy for the win. I'm glad the defense has, has found their groove. The Browns find ways to win different type of ball games every week, but I don't know what's going on with six. I don't. I do want to talk about the defense, but we'll, but we'll, we'll continue this thought because, yeah, I was going back and forth with some people today about it. And I lean uh, of those three things you said with just it was a bad game. And I'm not sure that's actually more encouraging for Browns fans than you might think because, number one, I, I'm, I'm not buying the shoulder thing. I'm seeing a lot of that on Twitter, and I'm sorry, but like you pointed out, not only was he good in week two against the Texans, was he his best against the Bears? No. But he was way, way worse uh, against the Vikings than he was uh, against the Bears. I mean, we're talking five, six wide open throws, touchdown throws that he was not really close on that were pretty bad misses by NFL standards. Yeah, but Henry, there was even a couple of those. I mean, go back to the Bears game. I go back to that Demetric Felton wheel route. I mean, that's a touchdown if you hit him. There, there, there were one or two of those, but like I, I was going through the stats today, right? Like he had an average QBR in that Bears game. He had a 15 QBR in, in, in like he was arguably the worst quarterback in the league on Sunday, even though the Browns won. And frankly, the guy on the other side of the football might have been your best counter argument to that in Kirk Cousins. But I think that had a lot more to do with the Browns defense. I mean, and, and when it comes to Odell. I, I don't have an explanation for that. I'm not buying that either just because Odell was wide open. I, I saw some people being like, oh, Baker's forcing it to Odell. He wasn't okay, forcing okay, it. But he that's, was okay, wide but open. He, here's the thing on that. Here's the thing on that. He was absolutely wide open without question. He was wide open all day. He had four steps on the play. I'm going to go back to that play in the fourth quarter. That would have ended the game right there. Henry, the fact of the matter is the Browns should have won that game 28-7. If Baker Mayfield plays a decent game, that's a blowout. I'm not even saying if he plays a, a perfect game. If he plays a decent game, that's a blowout. But back to the Baker and OBJ thing. I think it has nothing to do with OBJ at this point, Henry. I, I don't. Guy's getting open. You know, Kevin Savansky took the blame on his shoulders after the post game, saying, look, I need, you know, he was asked about Baker struggling. He said, I need to be better. I need to call better plays, get people open. Like, Kevin, you got a hell of a game. I mean, the fourth, fourth down questions, I mean, that's for another time. But he had guys open all day, particularly Odell Beckham Jr., so Odell's getting open. The problem is, whatever reason, Baker can't get him the ball. I don't think he's forcing it to him because we go back to a couple of weeks ago, there were multiple times where he could have shoved the ball down the field, but he took checkdowns. We didn't, wouldn't have saw that in 2019. I think it's a mental issue at this point. Now, I don't know what it is, but for some reason, when Odell is out there and you're in a huddle and you look at and you see Odell in there, I just think he's on, Baker's uncomfortable. I just, I don't know why. I can't explain it. I don't know if anyone can. I think it's a mental thing at this point because what else could it be? The guy is wide open. Baker, we've seen you throw darts. You know, he threw a dart to, to Hollywood Higgins in, in, in this game, you know, that set up the Kareem Hunt touchdown. I just don't get it. I, I, it's, it's hard for me to understand because he was been open, Henry, but you just can't find him. And that only happened, that happened the second Odell came back. The second he came back in that Bears game, Baker all of a sudden went from being the most accurate quarterback in the NFL to losing that accuracy. And it happened in a blink of an eye. I, I, I just don't understand it. See, to me, though, it, it, it's a little bit of correlation, not causation, because he's not, he That's wasn't just missing year, Odell, though. How, how long does it become, like, how long do we say that it's just coincidence? 
And then and at what time, at what point does coincidence turn into a theme? I mean, to me personally, like, I don't think last year had so much to do again with Odell as Baker still learning the offense. And I think if you look at the way the Browns call plays, it, that was more the, the change that happened over the course of the season than it just being uh, Odell's gone. And in this game, yeah, he didn't just miss Odell. I mean, he missed Kareem Hunt wide open in the end zone. He missed Harrison Bryant wide open on the left sideline for what would have been a 30-yard gain at a minimum, if not even more than that. I, so to me, it wasn't just that he was just missing Odell Beckham. And that's but, I'm why not, think- but I'm not talking about him just missing Odell. I'm saying when Odell is out there, he all of a sudden just becomes a less accurate quarterback to everyone, not just Odell. And I don't, I, I, I'm just trying to process that and I can't, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's hard. It's hard to understand. Yeah. Again, I do, I don't know. I'm not buying that those two things are related. I think he's going to bounce back here. It's just, and I saw a lot of comparisons to like, Oh, well, Baker, you know, Aaron Rodgers had a bad week one game and you know, quarterbacks have bad games. And while that's true, I thought it was just the wrong comparison, and I brought this up on the Sunday pod. It's more like Josh Allen's week one game against the Steelers, where, yes, Baker's going to have plenty of chances to redeem himself. I think he's going to redeem himself in the same way that Josh Allen did, you know, these last couple of weeks. I think Baker's going to do the same thing throughout the season. But unlike Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield both have not climbed the mountaintop. And so there's a little bit of doubt still there that, like, hey, are you going to lay an egg in one of these big moments? Because we've only seen you in a couple big games. And if Baker plays like that against the Chiefs, against the Bills, against the Ravens, like the Browns are going home in the playoffs. Like they they beat the Vikings by a touchdown. And yes, the Vikings are a solid team. That is a tough environment. And we'll get to plenty of the other optimistic reasons about why the Browns won that game. But they're not going to be facing Kirk Cousins in the AFC playoffs. And that's going to be a major problem if Baker's still at that level. And so to me, it's just slightly worrying because you've got 12, 13, 14 games of Baker Mayfield look pretty consistent. And I kind of thought these games were behind him. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh boy, the Browns are winning in spite of, of Baker Mayfield, not because of him. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head. That's where I was going to go next, Henry. It's just like, if this is the case, if, I mean, look, I mean, the fact of the matter is everyone's bad. Like, I, you know, today might have been a bad day for me at work. Like, I, I'm due for a bad day at work. You're due for a bad day at work. Those things just happen. Um, if it becomes a theme, it becomes a problem. Because like you said, if we're, you know, in week 14 where you need a win, you're on the road, you need a win to get in the playoffs, you're in the playoffs, you need to win. And all of a sudden this inaccuracy starts to shine again. Then that's when it becomes an issue. Henry, I'm I, you know, it might've sounded like I was panicking to start this podcast. This is for all emotion. I, I, I'm not panicking by Baker by any means. I'm not saying, well, Hey, you know, my Tannenbaum was right. You know, we shouldn't pay him or anything like that. I just think I'm just trying to understand why it's happening and why it happened last week. And, you know, maybe, maybe he does bounce back because look, at, at the end of the day, I think Baker is that type of guy, he's that type of quarterback. He's that type of personality where the second you count him out, he punches you in the mouth and, and comes back even harder. And that's likely what's going to happen this weekend in, in Los Angeles. What I wrote that down is I think there's a positive way to spin this, which is, oh, no, Beckham looks great. <laughs> He's getting open all over the place. Like if they figure that connection out, you know, it's only been two weeks of him being back on the field. If Baker starts to play a little bit better, I mean, the weapons are just crazy. Kareem Hunt might be better than ever 
the way he's changed the momentum in, in these games the last two weeks. You've got Kareem, so much- Kareem Hunt. You can make the argument that Kareem Hunt's the Browns MVP through four games. You could absolutely make that argument. I was checking to see if he had more fantasy points than Nick Chubb so far. That's uh, that's how much he's been dominating. Is I was just like, wow, he's really almost been option one in that backfield, which is saying something because Chubb very well might be the best running back in the league. It, it's just Kareem Hunt's also playing at, at that type of level. And the other thing is, you know, it, the offense as bad as Baker played, they scored 14 points. They easily could have had more. And I do think even if he hits one or two of those throws, you're looking at a 28 to seven game, because as you mentioned it, I, I didn't get the criticism of Kevin Stefanski. And I actually, I have a, a little bit of a bone to pick with you. So I'll, I'll, I'm going to get into that with the, first of all, I thought I saw some criticism of him in general and I didn't get it because number one, the play calling, as you said, was awesome. Number two, the fourth downs thing, what worked I don't, this is what I, I have a bit of a beef, not only to pick with you, but, but with Browns fans in general. The thing with fourth downs is if you only get it 50% of the time, you're getting a touchdown in that situation as opposed to two field goals, right? The Browns got the fourth down the second time they went for it, they, they went for it got a touchdown, and they ended up getting two points. So they ended up getting eight points instead of six, but usually you get seven instead of six, right? Like that's the math. You just have to deal with the fact that sometimes, yeah, that means it's a zero when you don't get it. And that's, that is a little bit of a momentum killer. But like, if you're going by the numbers, the whole point is that you're going to end up with more points in the long run. And the Browns got that. I would like a little bit of a different play call in terms of not just letting Jed Wills go one-on-one every fourth down. That's my thing. That's my thing. But going for it was fine. I just want them to, to, you know, like maybe bring somebody to help Jed Wills out. So he doesn't have to go one-on-one versus the best pass rushers with a hurt ankle. But other than that, I thought this was a good game from Stefanski. Yeah, yeah, it's been a great. This was arguably Stavansky's best game as, as head coach of the Browns. I, I, I just think that at the end of the day, I just take sometimes. I just think he's almost at points analytically driven to a fault, and and by that I mean I, I understand the analytics. I appreciate the analytics. I understand how they play into that. Everything that you just laid out. I just think in certain games, especially the way that this team is playing. When these the past two weeks they grinded out defensive wins, the offense has taken a step back. In those games, you just need points. At the end of the day, you just need points. I, I get the Browns won fourteen to seven, but at the same time, like it, it could have been a different score if you get. And Chase McLaughlin has been lights out. It's one thing if it's it's one thing if you have Cody Parkey in there and you don't trust him to kick a field goal. Then I get it. If it's fourth and four, fourth and five, so be it. Go for it on fourth down. I think Chase McLaughlin is. I trust him. I think he's. To this point, he's shown me enough that he's probably the best kicker we've had here since Phil Dawson. I know it's early, but he's burying, burying. I forgot that I can swear on this podcast. I'm so used to <laughs> being on the radio, not being able to swear. I just like stopped myself from swearing. But anyways, he, he's drilling field goals from like 55 plus yards out with consistency. I, I just think at some point, take the points. And But getting back to the fourth down calls, here's my thing. I think every single fourth down the Browns have had this year, Baker Mayfield has been sacked. Um, to me, that's play Kong and, and that's two things. That's play Kong and that's Baker. And, and you can't, you just can't take a, a damn sack on fourth down. And also we just got done talking about how good Kareem Hunt is. I don't think the first tackler has tackled Kareem Hunt all year. Nick Chubb at the same time. Like, why do we not, there was a formation that the Browns ran where Kareem Hunt was in a, you know, three point stance, hands on the ground, basically at a fullback position, took it for, you know, the first down. Why they don't run that type of formation on a fourth and two is beyond me. 
You have the best line in football. You have the best running back combination that I've seen in the NFL in a long ass time. Take that, run the ball on fourth down. If it's fourth and two, run it fourth and five. I get it. But at the same time, I, I don't know. I think Kevin Stefanski has been great. I thought he was great on Sunday. That was the only bone I had to pick with him was a couple of those play calls on fourth down. Cause like you said, Jed Wills is a shell of himself right now. And you're letting him go one-on-one on a fourth down that spells danger. And that's why Baker has been sacked on all these fourth down. Yeah. I, I don't even mind the, again, the aggressiveness. I think it's the right call. It's just somebody's got to help Jed Will. I don't even mind the pass play. It's crazy. Just you know like, what it is? I, I just don't know if I can wrap my head around it yet. Like, it, it, I feel like, it, and, and by that, I mean, like, Kevin Stefanski is, is coaching NFL games. Like, like I play Madden. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if it's fourth and seven, I, I'm going for it in Madden. Like, I'm going for it every fourth down. And I literally feel like, Henry, I was watching the game on Sunday, and there were multiple times where I was just, like, almost said it jokingly. Like, it was a fourth and five. I was like, oh, they're going to go for it. And then, like, I turned my head to the TV. I was like, Oh yeah, they they actually are going for it. Like they are. I just feel like I expect them to go for it on fourth down at this point. And the other part of that is too, Jamie Gillen has been awful. <laughs> and I mean awful, man. Yeah, that's that's almost a whole separate podcast about how bad he has <laughs> yeah, been. But we that, go for that, two hours about that. <laughs> I was talking with somebody about the Browns roster today, and I was like, I and and we need to get to the defense here because we've gone too long without it. But I was like, outside, you know, throw away quarterback for a second and how Baker played. I was like, the Browns have arguably the best roster in the NFL. And I know we were saying that before the season, but they really look like they might have the best roster in the NFL. And I was trying to think of like the big holes in the roster. And I was going through, I was like, really, there's not many. And then I was like, punter is kind of the biggest hole on this roster yeah, right yeah. now. And you can make that argument. Certainly could. But Jordan, let's talk about the defense because we, as I said, we've gone too long about, you know, without talking about them. And I said after the Bears game that we were going to learn a lot more about this defense against the Vikings, a way more potent passing attack, multiple weapons, Dalvin Cook in the running game, and even Madison is a great second back that they have there in Minnesota. And the Browns pretty much shut them down for three and a half quarters in one of the more dominating defensive performances that I can remember. So my takeaway was, yeah, I was not to say sounding the alarm bells, but I was definitely a little bit concerned after two weeks. And, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not concerned anymore. Oh yeah. Thank I mean, how could you be? I mean, Henry, like I said, I think this defensive performance arguably was better than the one against Chicago. And I know they had the nine sacks and all that, but Clowney had a great, great game on Sunday. Miles Garrett had another great game. Tech McKinley has put together a handful of good games in a row. Malik Jackson, no one is talking about Malik Jackson. He played out of his, I went back and watched this game, Henry. He played out of his mind on Sunday. He had a great game. Malik McDowell has shined. Everyone on that defensive line has shined. And, and kudos to Andrew Barry. Last year, he completely reworked that offensive line and it became the best unit in football. This year, he completely reworked that defensive line and it is certainly on its way to becoming the best unit in football. But the main thing that I uh, that stands out to me when we talk about the Browns defense, obviously you can start with Miles, but after Miles 1A, 1B, you have to go to Jeremiah Owusu-Koromo. I mean, Henry, he has been a godsend to that defense. I, I don't really, you know, the pro football focus grading scale is weird. And, and you know, I, I try not to read too much into it. But I mean, he's, I think he's graded as the top linebacker in football right now. Certainly the top defensive or rookie linebacker, but I mean, the things that he's doing, the tackles that he's making, I look at that one play 
I think it was Madison was about to break a big one, kind of like tried to hop over JOK. Yep. And he got enough of his leg to bring him down. I mean, some of the tackles he's making, Henry, we just we just haven't had guys like him in a long time. The speed, everything that he's bringing. I mean, I had questions about his run defense going into Sunday. I thought he was great against the run on Sunday. I, I really do. And we know he's going to be great in zone coverage. We know he's going to be great from a blitzing standpoint and kind of blowing up screens in the backfield, that kind of thing. I mean, he has been that godsend to this defense that I think we've been looking for for linebacking position for a couple of years. So 1A, Miles Garrett, 1B, Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa, two of the best defensive players in football right now. They really are. And to your point on JOK, it's one thing to have straight line speed, you know, the 40 time, things like that. He plays in game so fast because not only is he a fast player, but he is diagnosing things in a way that you would not expect from a rookie. He sees screens coming. He sees the play happening in front of him before everybody else does and then uses his actual physical abilities to close on it. And you mentioned the run defense. I know he's undersized, but I swear, like, has he missed a tackle yet this season? I mean, compared to some of our other linebackers, it's like he's all over the place. And he adds just an, the exact element that we were looking for. I thought Taki Taki had a great game as well, but – you also brought up Miles Garrett, and, and it is Miles Garrett, but it's also, in general, I thought, what made me feel so good about this game was the, the Browns have a defensive identity, and it's the front four. And, we, you know, the Browns made some changes around Miles Garrett, and we've talked about Jadavion Clowney, but you brought up the two guys that I really want to focus on, which is Malik McDowell and Malik Jackson. I mean, we talked about defensive tackle potentially being a weakness for this team. You know, they, they moved off Sheldon Richardson and guess what? They replaced him with somebody better. Malik McDowell and Malik Jackson yeah. are both outplaying what Sheldon Richardson is giving Minnesota this year. Malik McDowell might be one of the best defensive tackles so far in football. I think he's really playing that well. I, I watched that game again as well. And I had the same, Takeaway is you, both our defensive tackles just annihilated Minnesota. I mean, you go back and watch, and Kirk Cousins, the pocket in front of him, just collapses time and time again. And you're like, oh, there's Jackson McDowell just shoving the guard and center into Cousins' lap again. It's, it's relentless. They're going to get one-on-one matchups all the time. And if they aren't, that means Miles Garrett or Javion Clowney is getting a one-on-one matchup, and they're cooking Tackles. There is no safe space on the offensive line if you're an opponent of the Browns right now. And then they've got the guys in the back end to clean things up. Not only JOK, I thought Denzel Ward had a nice game. I think Grant Delpit is showing a lot of speed as well Grant back Delpit there. Had a great, Grant Delpit had a great game, and I can tell you for a fact he was not getting a lot of reps in practice. Ronnie Harrison went down early in that game, and he was forced into a game that he didn't think he was going to be playing a lot, and he had a hell of a game. I just feel like the Browns, part of it is they've made some scheme adjustments for sure. Joe Woods, you, you've seen some increased blitzes. You've seen some mixed up fronts and all of that is great. But part of it is just the players are playing better and the right ones are playing more. We're getting more JOK. We're getting more Grant Delpit than, than we got at the beginning of the season. And some of the guys are just playing better. Like Denzel Ward had a really tough matchup and he just played better than he did in the first couple of weeks. And that solves a lot of your problems when all of a sudden, you know, he's having a really good game against Justin Jefferson and nothing's coming easy there. Well, and the one guy that we haven't even talked about yet is greedy Williams. Gre- greedy, greedy. I mean, Henry, 
you know, I, I had questions about Greedy Williams coming into this game. I had questions about Greedy Williams coming into this year. I, one thing was evident to me, the talent is there. He is a talented cornerback. He can play cornerback in this league. The pick that he made, that was the game sealer, essentially. That was a hell of a play on for, for a defender to make that deep down the field, a corner to make that play like he was a wide receiver. I mean, that was impressive. I thought he had a great game as well. And, you know, again, you didn't have Greg Newsom, and, and, and he has been one of the best rookies this year. You haven't had Anthony Walker. And the defense is getting the job done. I mean, the other guy, Jadavion Clowney, look, you had – I know you had questions about Jadavion. He had another hell of a game on Sunday. Like, what are your thoughts Absolutely. on him? Are, are, you, are you starting to get less worried about his, his production for the Browns? Definitely. I mean, he – I will absolutely eat crow if he keeps this up. I mean, he – owned his matchup in that game again it was not just miles garrett if you watch the tape i mean there are meetings at the quarterback he, a lot of times when cousins wasn't sacked too he there must have been five or six throws that he just got rid of way earlier than he than he wanted to and the route wasn't fully developed but it was just because somebody was pressuring him and a lot of times that was Jadavion Clowney. he had a couple huge rushes uh, against cousins that didn't even result in sacks he was all over the place against the Vikings. Really impressed. Yeah. And then, I mean, if that's going to be the kind of production you're getting, like, I, I think, so the question that really you, you ask with this defense at this point, is this going to be sustainable moving forward? And I think it absolutely is. I, I like, I mean, I don't see how it couldn't be. The defensive line has been so dominant, Henry. The one, the one thing that I really had questions about coming this year was the linebackers. And to add a guy like JLK, look, look I thought JLK was going to be a good player in the NFL. I didn't think he was going to be this good. And I certainly didn't think he was going to be this good this quickly. And, exactly. and, and here's the other thing about it, Henry. Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom, Greedy Williams, Malik McDowell, Tack McKinley, Grant Delpit, Ronnie Harrison. Every single guy that I just named is not older than the age of 26. I mean, think about that <laughs> for a second. I mean, this is, this is, this could be years of dominating defense from the Browns based off the players and the age that they have them at right now. They look absolutely fantastic. And, and that was to get kind of back to the original point too of the game is, is my overall takeaway was I was, I was pretty half glass full too, is, is that the Browns have established themselves as a, as a good team and they haven't been a complete team yet. They haven't been a great team yet because not all of the units in Baker Mayfield have played well at the same time, but that is not something that you can take for granted that this team is as advertised because it doesn't always work out like that. Look at all these teams around the leagues that are struggling early on. I bet you Steelers fans didn't expect to be in the spot that they are right now ahead of the season. I bet you Chiefs fans, even though they beat the Eagles, expecting to be in the spot that they're in right now just because you in theory have a good roster in the offseason or in theory made upgrades they don't always work and the browns upgrades have worked at multiple positions they have brought in talent and that talent is executing at an extremely high level now the challenge is they just have to put it all together especially when it matters most and they're going to get a huge test this week in, in the Chargers as well, because that is a team that is also, uh, you know, one that we thought was going to be good on paper and is looks just as good as advertised, if not even better th than most people were expecting ahead of the season. Here's what's crazy, too. So coming in this year, Henry, I think we could all sit here and be like, well, the Browns, the best unit on that team is the offense, right? I mean, I don't think it would be hard to argue that. 
I think it's, you can make the argument right now through four games, the offense has been the worst unit. And I'm talking special teams included. I mean, you talk about, you know, obviously there, Jamie Gillen has been terrible. And then that's a, like you said, that's, that's its own podcast at some point when maybe both of us have had some alcohol on us or something like that. But uh, <laughs> Talking about, you know, the rest of the special teams. I mean, Chase McLaughlin, I don't think he's missed a kick this year. He's hit a couple, like handful of 50 plus yarders. He's making his extra points. Demetric Felton has added something to the return game that we haven't seen in a long time. He's changed the field position game. And I think that the Browns have like already doubled their like kick return and punt return yards from a season ago. So I, I legitimately think that you could make the argument right now that the offense is the one unit on this team that needs to be the one to catch up, which is crazy, crazy, crazy to think about. But the fact that you're three and one and we can sit here and say that this dominant offense hasn't really hit its stride yet. I mean, there's plenty of time to do that. And, and the sky really is the limit for this Browns team right now. It is. It, it's funny, though. You know, this is why the, the picking the schedule isn't always the easiest thing uh, ahead of the season, because I thought the Browns schedule was going to soften up after this Chargers game. And then I looked at it and I was like, ah, the Cardinals. Yeah, that certainly Cardinals making game. me eat a lot of crow there as far as as how they perform so far. I'm not I'll, I'll say I'm not 100 percent sold yet, but therefore, no, the Broncos defense has been awesome. Like that's going to be a really tough matchup for the Browns offense, especially that front. Their secondary is playing really well, too. So. The Browns schedule actually doesn't get as easy as I thought because I think that actually the easier games might come in division Pittsburgh. later Pittsburgh. on in the year. Yeah. Like Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, I'm even less scared of Baltimore than I was coming into the year. So, I mean, they're obviously still a solid team. But, uh, you know, starting with this matchup against the Chargers, there's a couple of tough games in, in a row here. I was going to say that here's the thing about the, uh, the matchup with the Chargers this weekend. You can't afford to lay an egg on offense against this team you're going to have to score points. But I say that to say this. I think after last night, the Chargers have like the 29th ranked rushing defense in the NFL, and the Browns have a top five, top three at that. So there, there's where you win the game. You, you pound the ball on the ground. You give the ball to Kareem Hunt. You give the ball to Nick Chubb. I think they have 25 to 30 carries between the two of them. To me, this screams of Baker Mayfield, 24 passing attempts, like a, you know, a 19 of 24, 17 of 24 type game, maybe a couple of touchdown passes sprinkled in there. I think we bet we see the accurate Baker, but it's all predicated by the run game. I think that's how you have to beat the can or I'm sorry, the Kansas City Chiefs. That's how you have to beat the Los Angeles chargers. And again, like I said, you're going to have to get into the end zone against that team because Herbert is playing some pretty good ball right now. The offense is pretty good. That offensive line is totally revamped for the chargers. So it's definitely an interesting matchup, Henry. The interesting two thing, too is that the line right now has the chargers as a one point favorite so interesting to see how that is kind of played out uh the chargers go into that one are the chargers three and one or are they two and two three and one three and one right now three and one victories so three over and one the... versus three and one yeah yeah i actually i thought the browns were going to be bigger underdogs just because they're on the road i know the chargers don't yeah. have the biggest home field advantage and then the line actually opened up even where the browns is favored in some places yeah and i that... saw that it was the and browns that... were one point favorite and it flipped yeah, that shocked me just because, again, two pretty even teams, you know, the Browns being the road team having to go cross country. You'd think that, that just naturally uh, the Chargers would get the slight bump there. But then you brought it up. As I looked into this matchup, I was like, well, the Chargers are going to have to stop the run, the run game with the Browns. And I do think that will be uh, where this game hinges. Ultimately, because, you know, the all the Chargers are going to be talking about all week is the run game because they've hemorrhaged 
yards on the ground. They've struggled mightily in that area. The rest of the team is pretty solid. They do have some weaknesses at safety as well, but you know Nick Bosa is a problem. If you watch that Raiders game on Monday night, they, they got pressure a lot. Joey on Bosa. Their Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa. I just, yeah. I just said Nick Bosa. <laughs> Wrong Bosa. Joey Bosa is a problem. Though Nick Bosa also is too. Uh, but the, you know that the Chargers are going to pressure the quarterback well, we all know you talked about it with Jed Wills. We all know the situation there. So this is not going to be a game that the Browns want to be trailing. And this is one they want to have control of. I, I feel fine about the Browns heading into this matchup. And part of it is also, I think they are going to have success at least somewhat on the defensive side of the football, but it's a good team. The Chargers are a well-built roster. They've got plenty of strengths. Like it's not like the Bears or the Vikings where you're looking at it up and down and you're like, wow. That one-on-one matchup, Browns are going to have a huge advantage. Oh, there's another one. Oh, there's another one. It's not really like that with the Chargers. They're pretty solid across the board, so I do think the run game is how the Browns are going to have to be successful. Yeah, and I think the key of that game is going to come down to that Jedrick Wills, and I don't know if – I can't figure out if I agree or disagree with the Browns' handling of this because, like, to me, an ankle injury, if you're playing on it, I mean, it's just – I mean, I've broken an ankle before. Like, those things don't just – all of a sudden get better when you're still, you know, obviously I don't think Judd didn't break his ankle, but still, I just don't think when you're putting pressure on it, when you're trying to stop a 300 pound athletic guy coming at you, you know, 40 times a game, like I don't think your ankle gets better. Um, But then again, I don't know, maybe they don't trust Chris Hubbard. Chris Hubbard dressed last week. So that's why I thought he would get the start. And, you know, it was, it was interesting to see all of that, but, you know, and Jed Willis ended up being the guy. And then Henry, there was some a transaction today the Browns uh, terminated the contract of Elijah Lee, brought in an extra offensive lineman, and a lot of people were thinking, oh, okay, that means they're probably going to finally sit Jed Willis. But no, Nick Harris went to IR. So I think that was the bringing the extra offensive lineman was to counteract that thing. And to me, it seems like Jed Willis is going to get to go again this weekend. And I think he's going to keep getting to go until, you know, until he can't. And, and I don't know if I agree with that or if I disagree with that, because the fact of the matter is, like I said last week, I'd rather not have Jed Wills for a game against the Vikings or a game against the Chargers, and maybe you lose that game than I would if you don't have Jed Wills for a game late in the year against the Ravens or something like that. It's one of those things where it's not going to get better unless he doesn't play. Now, right. with Chris Hubbard, he was coming off an injury too, so I don't know if he how injured he was, if they just activated him because they were hoping, hey, in case of emergency, we need him, You know, we can put him in there, but... They put in James Hudson, not even Blake Hans, uh, at one point in the game too, and then yeah. he had a false start. So, uh, like you, uh, you know, I, I, there's not a right answer here because if they don't play Jed Wills, they're getting smoked at that position. Jed Wills still isn't doing great, but he's at least a baseline level of competence, even at whatever sixty, seventy percent, yeah, in most situations. But he's not going to heal uh, until he gets to rest. So I don't know if the solution is yeah, just sit him down like is a week going to be enough though like what if it's two three weeks before he's fully healthy so maybe they're just saying hey he's just going to have to you know get treatment between games and hopefully it'll get better over time i don't know i don't think there's a right answer but it's definitely the the one you know kind of glaring weakness right now but besides some of baker's struggles that that, that are holding this offense back yeah and it's going to be a great game this weekend I mean, if you're able to walk out of you know sofi stadium at four and one heading into that showdown with the uh, Arizona Cardinals back at home after being on the road for back-to-back weeks. I mean, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a hell of a game if that's the case. And 
look, I mean, it's pretty obvious, but four and one looks a lot better than three and two at the end of the day, especially if you're three and two going into the Arizona game, which is a game the Browns could very well lose. And, and you don't want to be three and three. So I think this is a big game, Henry. I think it's a lot bigger than people are, are, are making it out to be. And the end of the day, this is a, to me, this is kind of another coin flip game, to be honest with you. Um, I, th- I wouldn't be shocked if the Chargers won, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Browns won. However, I think it's at the point, like you said earlier, the Browns are just a good team now. Borderline great team. And I, I, I really do think it's a kind of at the point with, you know, like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, they're a great team. They have a great roster. Sometimes they don't play their best football like they did against New England, but they found a way to win the game. And I think that's just kind of where the Browns are right now. They have a better roster than basically every team in the NFL. Sure, it's not pretty every weekend, but you're finding ways to win the game with a better roster. And that's a great sign moving forward. And I think that'll probably lend its hand on Sunday again. I do think it's a coin flip game. I think you're right there. I you know I feel better about the Cardinals game maybe a little bit than you do. Maybe number one because of my preconceived notions about the Cardinals, but number two, I've also watched that offensive line try to protect Kyler Murray. No, that um, team has a decent offensive line. I will say it's, it's at least better than I expected it to be. I, I I've seen Kyler. I think save them a, a few times here. That I I think the Browns are going to have success. But to your point. The Browns in week one, and they're about to face the same challenge. I think it's very similar, actually, with the Chargers and the Cardinals. In week one, they got tons of pressure, but they couldn't bring Mahomes down. I think they're going to face very similar challenges in this game, and they need to find a way to bring Justin Herbert down. Because, yes, the, yes, the Chargers have a good offensive line, but they sneaky have some guys that have been struggling in pass blocking, particularly on the interior. Matt Feller, Corey Lindsley. Uh, have struggled a bit on the interior pass blocking. They're great run blockers. Uh, Rashawn Slater, their rookie left tackle, has an argument to be the best rookie in the league with how he's pass protected on the left side. But as I said, they've had some sneaky issues on that interior of the line pass blocking. I think the Browns are going to be able to get some pressure, but Herbert's escaped a lot of sacks by just rolling out getting rid of the ball, stuff like that. The Browns cannot let that happen the way they did in week one against Mahomes. So that's the other key matchup I would point to on the, in this game. Oh, without question. I mean, it's so cliche to say, Henry, but this game, like every game pretty much this season for the Browns, is going to come down to that battle in the trenches. The Browns have had a better defensive line than the team they were playing for three weeks now. They've had a better offensive line for the team they were playing for three weeks now. I think on paper, they certainly have a better defensive line than the Chargers and on paper, they certainly have a better offensive line. And the Browns are able to win both of those matchups, and I think we can expect them to do that basically week in and week out at this point. Then you should be walking out of Los Angeles with the win. We'll see how it plays out on Sunday. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's going to be easy, that's for sure. Justin Herbert's no, looks great so far this yeah. year. I do think that you know the Chargers have lots of weapons. Those are just the two areas that I would I would circle. But, you know, we'll, we'll get plenty more into that game as well. I, I will be doing a preview pod. Unfortunately, Jordan won't be able to join me for that, which is why I wanted to get your thoughts on the game here ahead of things, Jordan. But we'll be back on this feed on Sunday. And before then, as I said, there will be a Chargers preview pod with a guest from our friends over at Guilty as Charged. But, Jordan, any final thoughts before we head into this game on Sunday? Yeah, I would just say, like, look, if you're a Browns fan and the Browns lose this game, don't freak out. Don't, you know, don't lose your mind. Uh, we're not going to make the playoffs now. Any of those things. You need to hamper expectations. Um, it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be another grinded out game. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, this is another game that I think people expect it to be. I haven't seen what the total points are on this one. 
but I, I think it's one of those games where I think everyone's kind of expecting like a 38 to 34 type. Um, like people were expecting last week against the Vikings. And for whatever reason, when that, whenever that's the expectation, it ends up being a low scoring game. So I could see this one end up being a low scoring game as well, somewhere like a 21 to 17 type game. But ultimately at the end of the day, like I said, the Browns have the better defensive line and they have the better offensive line. And for that reason, I'm going to be picking them in almost every game this year. I mean, that's just the fact of the matter. They have that roster at this point where I legitimately think you can look at the Browns and say that they have arguably the best roster in the NFL. And we're seeing it with a defense getting done with guys out. Same thing with the offense. They need to pick it up a little bit. I think they do. I think Baker gets back on, you know, on track this weekend, Henry. And I think the Browns walk out of Los Angeles with a W and we're going to be having a showdown and a huge, huge game that homecoming back to first energy stadium two Sundays from now against the Cardinals. Let's go. Let's go. Well, there you have it. And I can't wait for that showdown with the Cardinals. All right, Browns fans, that'll do it for this episode until next time. Just two words for you. Go Browns.